0: This episode of Mark on Money is brought to you by EFS Group for all your retirement needs
1: see a doctor for your health sometimes a specialist a mechanic for car problems anyone under 20 for your smartphone well duh you need to look at retirement that way you need help in setting up a plan that avoids pitfalls and provides lifetime income you need mark on money's mark gills 712-560-0360 712-560-0360
2: Hello, this is Mark Giels and today we've got a checklist of five things that you want to make sure you check off to make sure your retirement is a success.
0: And now, live from the heart of Sioux City, Mark on Money, with your host, Mark Gilles. Key is having a plan in place, knowing what you're going to do, a place where your retirement questions are answered. You could be putting tens of thousands in jeopardy. You'll get the latest news on 401ks and retirement planning. It can make a profound difference with what you can and can't afford in retirement. If you've got questions on how to properly structure your assets and build retirement income, you're in the right place. Welcome in mark on money
1: hey welcome in everybody this is mark on money with mark eels uh, mark of course certified financial planner he's been helping folks get to and through to retirement for more than 30 years he's an independent he's a fiduciary and so much more you can find him at efs wealth management uh hey mark what's going on
2: not too much um just want to go through a checklist because everybody likes checklists don't we <laughs> yes and, we uh, do everybody likes a list yep and you know this list is you know not all encompassing um i think it's a pretty short and abbreviated list but i've kind of taken my list and and uh you know narrowed it down to i think the top five things that i think you know are important to look at they're important to check off they're important to understand you know where you're sitting on these various things you know and one of the sixty four thousand dollar questions i always get asked is, well, Mark, what about debt in retirement? And the one thing that I say about it is, of course, you don't want any consumer debt. Um, And and so we'll talk about debt a little bit and kind of the the thing that's important about it, um, the things that you need to think about uh, and the actions that you really need to take. Um, And Because it's a big deal, in my opinion, because debt is really can be, um, you know, just like, you know, going to your doctor and you've got this condition. Well, you know, the condition, you know, is usually the result of underlying problems that you might not be aware or you are aware that exist and they exhibit themselves in other things. And I think debt is one of those, uh, depending upon the type of debt it is. But normally it's it's pretty all-encompassing. And so what I see is is that the people that don't have any debt – um, usually have a very good retirement because they've been able to control their spending. They've been able to pay down their debt. They're good stewards of their money. Um, the only people I have seen um, in the, you know, I've been doing this for 30 years, Steve. So the only people that I have seen that run a very high risk of running out of money in retirement were those people that either carry debt into retirement or or acquired debt while they were retired. You know, whether it was going out and getting a second mortgage or borrowing money for vehicles, you know, or borrowing money for this or that, Um, they just... And so debt is not a bad thing, but I think debt is definitely a symptom of just poor... uh, I wouldn't say poor money management, but, but it's a symptom of not really being able to properly um, you know, budget. Um, and I don't know really what the word is. Um, but let's, 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 let's break it down a little bit. Let's talk about debt. Um, because people ask me, well, Mark, you know, should I have all my debt paid off when I retire? And my answer is usually, or the, or the question is, well, Mark, when I can, when can I retire? And my answer is usually when your debt is gone, then let's have a conversation.
1: Right. Well, I, don't, I mean, it's it's easier said than done, though, but it, but certainly as we uh, begin to get closer to retirement, that's really important.
2: Yeah. I mean, because it it also has a psychological impact, but more importantly, if you can't figure out how to pay off your debt um, and do it by the time you retire and you assume that, well, I can just carry debt into retirement, it'll be fine. Well, no, because then other things come up and the debt just adds to the inflexibility of cash flow because you have to make that debt payment. I mean, it's there. You know, if it's a mortgage, of course, you have to pay the mortgage because you don't want to have somebody foreclose on your house. Let's, you know, let's talk about, you know, one of the things that I think is important is in, in one of the conversations I've had and I've struggled with this. But one of the things to realize is if you go out and borrow money for a car, because I think a lot of people borrow money for cars. I see retired people that borrow money for cars. Um, But here's my personal opinion. You should always pay cash for everything in retirement. You shouldn't borrow money for anything unless it's absolutely necessary. It's absolutely emergency. Because here's what happens when you go out and you borrow money to buy a car is you buy more car than you would have if you had to pay cash for it. So, for instance, if you've got $30,000 setting in your bank account and you are shopping for a new car, you're not looking at, well, I can spend $30,000 on this car plus my trade-in value, so I've got X amount of dollars to spend. No, you're looking at, well, you know, maybe I'll buy a $60,000 car. And so you're buying $20,000 more for a, for a vehicle than if you had to write a checkout for it and vehicles go down to zero in value. So, <clears throat> I mean, it's an asset that depreciates. And so, you know, you, you want to get from point A to point B and you don't want to pay more for it. And the facts are is people that borrow money to buy vehicles spend 20 to 30% more for that car than if they had the same amount of money and they wrote a check out for it. Wow. I never thought about that, but I think that makes sense. Yep. And and so once you accumulate a car, you know, instead of making car payments, you should be making payments into a separate fund for a future car because that car is going to depreciate. You're going to have to replace it whether it's five years or 10 years or 15 years. But you should have a separate vehicle fund for expenses, and for a new car purchase, that's that's bottom line. So do you help people get to that point? I mean, are they ready to do that when, when they get to retirement? Well, I have that conversation with them. And my point is, is hey, you know what? If you're going to buy a car, you're going to pay cash for it. Like, well, no, well, why would I want to take money out of my account? Well, because it doesn't make any difference. But it makes a difference in what you're going to spend. You're going to spend 20 to 30 less if you have to write out that check. Right. Period. Well, and again,
1: you know, and when you borrow money, obviously you are paying interest.
2: Well, not today. I mean, wow. I mean, not much. I not mean, much, right? Yeah. A lot of it's zero percent financing, and that's their argument as well. I can get zero percent financing. I don't care if it's zero percent financing. You are still going to pay more than what you should have if you borrow the money. That's just the facts. Taxes. Yes. So let's talk about taxes. So you're going to owe taxes in retirement unless all your retirement savings are in a Roth account. IRA accounts, of course, are going to be taxable accounts. And, you know, you can minimize what you owe by carefully choosing which retirement accounts you want to contribute to. I just read a, um, a question online. A person said, well, I've got, you know, $450,000 in an IRA account. I've got $150,000 in a Roth account you know, what do I take money from first in retirement? Um, And the question is, is well, it's, it's going to depend upon future tax planning because let's say you drew all of your money out of your IRA account first and, you know, just let your Roth account set. So you did that for 10 or 15 years, and after 10 or 15 years, all you had left was your Roth account. Well, what happens in some instances, and I've seen this before, Steve, where people actually come in and say, well, I'm not paying any taxes, Mark. I don't have any taxable income, you know, for one reason or another, or their taxable income is low enough so that when they itemize their deductions, they actually have a negative, a negative adjusted gross income. Well, that's bad because that means that you did poor tax planning because now you've paid taxes on things that you're not having to pay taxes on now or you could have had investments that you could be taking out tax-free and you could have gotten a tax deduction for. Wow. So, for instance, if you have an IRA account and, you know, you're withdrawing, you know, $30,000 a year from the IRA account and you've got $30,000 worth of deductions, well, you don't pay any taxes. So what's the difference between the IRA account and the Roth? Well, nothing. Nothing. So other than the fact that the IRA account, when you put the money in, you got a tax deduction for it. So, yes, there's definitely a structure and a timing metrics that you should be looking at when you draw money out because you definitely want to minimize taxes. And then there's, you know, the IRMA tax. You know, if you don't know what the IRMA tax is, um. It's the tax that you pay if your adjusted gross income is over the limit for Medicare excess premium taxes. That's what the Irma tax is. It's Medicare excess premium tax, and it starts around you know eighty. It's in the eighty thousands for single people, and it's around one hundred and seventy some thousand for um, married filing joint. But if you're over the Irma tax limit by one dollar. What's going to happen is a year down the road, you're going to get a letter from Medicare that's saying, you know, next year, we're going to start taking an extra $100 a month out for Medicare premiums for the two of you. Well, that's a pretty big, you know, tax, you know, let's say you're $1,000 over and you're going to pay an extra $1,000 in Medicare premiums because you didn't know or realize where the IRMA threshold was, and you took too much money out of your retirement account as a lump sum and fell into the IRMA penalty by a $1,000. Well, that's over a 100% tax rate on that money then.
1: Wow. I mean, again, my guess is, uh, Mark, that not everybody knows what the IRMA is, what that is. I mean, especially, I mean, People just think that, you know, Medicare is going to be this and, and that's what it is. I mean, I know it went up this year. What is $172 a month? Right. There's no guarantee that that's going to be there, again, if you're a high earner.
2: Right. And so you, you've got to be aware of of what your effective tax rate is, not what tax bracket you're in. person may say, well, I'm in the 22% tax bracket. Yeah, but just because you're in a 22% tax bracket doesn't mean you're paying 22% in taxes because if you add the IRMA tax to it and you add in other things that could affect it, you could be in a 30 or 40% tax bracket on some of those dollars. So you have to know what dollars and where you're at from an effective tax rate, and that takes planning for multiple years into account. When we do tax planning, we sit down and we plan out for a decade You know, of of Tax planning—you know whether it's Roth conversions, claiming Social Security dividend and capital gains, business income—you know we lay all of that out on a spreadsheet so we know, hey, this is where we're at this year, the following year, and what are the opportunities that we have to do proper tax planning? Whether it's biannual filing of itemizations, whether it's Roth conversions, uh, distributions, required minimum distribution. All those things come into that decade of tax planning to, to get a big picture of where you're at because that literally can be the difference between paying thousands of dollars extra in taxes or actually minimizing your taxes by good planning.
1: Yeah, of course. And and those are the kinds of things that you do day in, day out. And, and that tax planning part of this piece, of tax planning part of retirement is so critical, so important that people yep. often overlook it.
2: Yeah. And then talking about fees, Oh, so fees in your retirement accounts. And this is something that, you know, has had that I see a huge spectrum on. And, you know, it's it's interesting to have conversations with individuals. Some people know what they're paying for fees um, in their accounts. The majority of people do not. I would say nine out of 10 people, uh, do not know what their costs are inside of their investment accounts and so I'll I'll give you an example Um, and this is a very typical example Um, had a client and we do a fee analysis on their accounts to show what they're currently paying and so this individual had about um, three and a half to four million dollars in investments and they were paying their advisor. They thought one and a quarter percent. Well, first of all, what I said to him, I said, you know, you should not be paying your advisor a flat fee on all of your money. You know, if you had five hundred thousand and you were paying one and a quarter percent, and they were doing a lot of planning for you, that'd be great. But the next five hundred thousand should be less. The next five hundred thousand less. As your money grows, your fees could, should go down. But they're they were not getting any any breakpoint discounts as their assets grew or they added more money to their retirement accounts and then on top of that the internal costs inside of their portfolio the fees that they were paying they had a mutual fund portfolio they were paying another 0.75 percent for a total cost of two percent and I told him, they said, you know, look, over your retirement, you're going to pay over a million dollars to your advisor in fees. I says, do you know where he lives? Yeah, we know where he lives. Well, guess what? You bought his house. That's what I t- told him. I said, wow. you know what kind of car he drives? You paid for his car. The vacations he goes on, you're paying for his vacations. I said, you are overpaying by, you know, multiple times what you should be paying. I said, look, there's there's other You know, investment companies out there, you know, robo-advisors, you know, other firms that you can pay a third of what you're paying. Um, And basically what I said to him, I said, look, I said, "I'll, I'll manage your money in the exact same model as what you had. I can move over all of your assets and I will cut your fees in half. And I said, even then, I cut your fees in half. I'm probably still charging you more than what you should be paying. But I said, that's just an example that I gave to them. I said, look, that's a $3,000 a month savings just by simply signing a piece of paper and moving your assets over because they're in a big company's, uh, you know, a big bank company. Uh, I won't mention names. Sure. But all they have is, is like set models in one of their models. I mean, everybody gets the same thing, you know, and, and they're not getting any tax advice, not getting any planning, not getting any state advice, not having any projections, no distribution planning. And they're, they're just, it was just crazy. Um, But there's going to cost them a million dollars in extra fees over their retirement than what they should have been paying with somebody that would add a ton of additional value to their uh, lives in terms of estate planning, business structure, income distribution, um, you know, and just simply holistic planning, just, just doing that. And they weren't getting that at all. Um, and the, the big bank that they're working with actually didn't allow their advisor to even do those things, but the costs were ridiculous. Yeah. The costs were probably in line with what they were 15, 20 years ago, but not anymore today. You don't pay those kind of costs. No, I mean, that's it's, you know, it's ridiculous. Sure. Well, and again, those are the kinds of things
1: that I mean. You bring that up. So let me ask you this: What's the end of that story? Did he did he come on board?
2: Um, that is still in that oh. I just met with him just before Christmas. Oh, no kidding. Okay, but so well, th- I'll, be, I'll be curious yeah. to hear
1: what turns out.
2: Yeah, so that was that was just a few weeks ago. But I, I meet with people like that almost on a weekly basis, where we're doing portfolio analysis. Me or one of our other advisors, um, and that's what we see. You know, is is. Um, one of my other advisors met with a client and they were paying 3%, which is almost, you know, we see maybe a couple of those a year, but 3% in fees and here's what you have to understand folks. If you're paying 3% in fees and you've got a blended portfolio, that's 50% of what you're paying. Well, here's the other thing is I shared with, them. I said, look, they, they had a conservative portfolio. They had a they had a bond portfolio in, in government bonds that they were actually losing money on after you subtracted the fees. Their returns were actually negative because because bonds aren't paying anything. So you know their their interest their yield on their bond portfolio was around one percent and their cost was two percent. So they were actually losing one wow. percent on fifty percent of their portfolio. I mean again I mean, it's that's, all, that's insanity.
1: Well it yeah, sure seems like it. But that's where you come in, Mark. You know, one, not only are you a fiduciary, but, but you teach. I mean, you know, it's education. It's knowing these kinds of things. And that's why it's important to
2: have that conversation with you. Right. And, you know, so we we we're that's number three. So we got debt, we got taxes, we got fees, and then it's major medical expenses, you know. So this is one thing you don't want to overlook. And I know it's expensive. I know people don't want to think about it. But you've got to plan for what happens if you need uh, additional health care help in retirement. What happens if you go into, you know, you, you know, you, you get Parkinson's, you know, you get Alzheimer's. Um, you know, how are you going to pay for that? You know, are you going to pay for it out of your investment account? In um, my my some people is well i've got you know plenty of money and my my next question is well you got plenty of money why do you insure in your house you know if your house burns down you just build a new one take it out of your take it out of your portfolio well that'd be crazy that's what their answer is <laughs> i said well look you know the 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 out of pocket costs for one out of 10 people are going to could you know are going to spend more than 5 years in a long term care facility I mean, that's a half a million to a million dollars out of pocket, one in five. Chances of your house burning down, a lot less than that. Exactly. And, and so
1: how do we deal with this, Mark? What do we do? How do we protect ourselves?
2: Well, he, he, you want to have a balanced approach. So you want to look for and have a plan in place. You know, if the plan is to pay for it out of pocket, fine, you know, but then let's have it, Let's 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 look at it. Let's have a plan. Let's see what that is going to do um, to your portfolio, to your surviving spouse if if you're married. And we're going to take, you know, a million dollars out of, you know, circulation and out of the income realm. Um, you know, and how do you feel about that? You know, is that something that you want to do or you want to roll the dice on? Or do you want to take a fraction of that and buy insurance if you're able to? And a lot of times people wait too long and they become uninsurable because it's harder to qualify for long-term care type insurance than it is to qualify for life insurance. The applications are harder. The underwriting is more strict. There's more conditions that exclude you from qualifying for those policies um, because the companies aren't worried about you dying, they're worried about you living. They're looking at you know life insurance. You know, is easier to underwrite. It's a, it's a mortality issue. It's you know a, a current health issue. It's um, you know, but you know, long term care. They they don't know what their exposure is. It could be a hundred thousand dollars. It could be a million dollars that the company's on the hook for. So they're going to make sure that you know, you don't have any current conditions that could affect (coughs) your, um, effect. Yeah. Sure. That.
1: Yeah. Well, and Medicare is great until it isn't, right?
2: Right. And they don't pay for anything associated with those types of things. You know, just like, um, you know, they don't pay for dental work, you know, Medicare doesn't pay for hearing aids. Um, you know, the average person, um, is going to spend what, $280,000, um like thing think that's the last study that I saw. Yeah, I think I saw that same one. Um, right, $280,000 on health care costs in retirement. So that's each. So for a couple that's right, it's each, $280,000 yeah, per person. That's a lot of so money for a couple. That's a half a million dollars. Um that's that's a lot of money.
1: That is a lot of money. And and again, yeah. there are some alternatives, like you said, out there that that can that you can help folks get into if it makes sense or set up a plan to you know cover those things out of pocket.
2: Right. Yeah. We have an expert in our office, Brian. He spent a decade at Mutual of Omaha and, you know, has long term care, you know, um, certificates. And, you know, that's what he did there. Uh, for a lot of years, so he understands that marketplace, um, and so usually um, I refer to him or bring him in as a consultant um, to see what the plan is, or to see if the plan that I'm thinking uh, of utilizing makes sense. So it's sure. a good, a good, uh, it's a good resource to have. Sure. Well, let's talk
1: about caregiving, Mark, because. You know, the sandwich generation we're talking baby boomers here who are retiring in huge numbers every day, and you know, their kids might come home and they got to take care of their parents or some combination. I mean, right, that's that has to be considered as well.
2: Well, here's what I see on the caregiving side first of all, um, you know, if you think you're going to work till 65 or 70. And that's kind of the way your retirement plan is. That's not a very good plan because people typically retire earlier than that. And one of the reasons they retire earlier is to take care of aging parents um, because they just have to take care of them. Um, I just had um, a client who retired. Um, He's 62. uh, But that's the reason he retired was because... Um, he wanted to retire to take care of his parents who live across the state. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, it's a five hour drive to get to their house, five, six hour drive to get to their house. Um, and he just, yeah, he just couldn't do work and take care of them anymore. And so he retired. Now, this was something that we planned on doing. So this was not something that, you know, he all of a sudden, decided, Hey, I need to quit working, Mark. How are we going to get this figured out? No, we already had it figured out, um, but that was the primary reason. And so, if this happens to you, you know, that's that's you know, uh, and the other end of it is, is uh, what if your parents don't have enough money to support themselves in retirement and the adult children? um need to pony up dollars to help mom and dad out. You know, I've seen that happen as well too and that's an unexpected expense and It's
1: well that, I mean again I think all of us probably know somebody in that situation where you know as adults we have to you know take care of our parents from a financial standpoint that can be pretty detrimental.
2: Right. Yep. And so you you know so all of these things that we talked about debt, taxes, fees, medical expenses, caregiving you know, you've got to anticipate these retirement expenses and, and have a plan for each one of them and understand what that plan is so that it doesn't ruin your retirement plans. <laughs> right. Because retirement
1: should be a good time. It should be a relaxing time. It should be the fun time, especially at the beginning.
2: Right. Yep. And that's it for, the, for today. You know, the, those are those are my those are my top five out of my list of many. You know, there's a lot more that we could spend talking about, but that's that's about it for All today. Right. And that so, thank great. you everybody for listening. And again, if you have questions, email me, um, call me seven one two 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 four four six five one, or email me mark at efs the number four the letter u dot com.
0: Securities offered through Securities America Inc., member FINRA SIPC. Advisory services offered through Securities America Advisors Inc., an SEC Registered Investment Advisor. EFS Group and the Securities America companies are unaffiliated. Any comments regarding safe and secure investments and guaranteed income streams refer only to fixed insurance products. They do not refer in any way to securities or investment advisory products. Fixed insurance and annuity product guarantees are subject to the claims paying ability of the issuing company.